and jump on in. Just rip the band-aid off. Ew. I was slurping up the band-aid. <laughs> Ooh. What is, what is that sound? There you go. That's lighting a match. There you go. That might be lighting a match, too. <laughs> Whatever. Lighting the match. Tearing off the band-aid. Welcome to ASMR at Haunted or Hoax. <laughs> no, that's really bad. It is really bad. We are sorry. We're so sorry. I'm not an ASMR person to like do it. I feel like I'm not I would not be good at that. I do get weirdly entranced by some of the ASMR TikToks. Do some of them kind of make you uncomfortable though? Like the ones that are like too good of a microphone? Yes. Like the ones once that... I can start hearing the sound waves, I'm like, oh. I don't like when they're like slurping things, like slurping up like drinks and stuff. I don't like that. No. I do. I am five years old and I do enjoy the slime ASMRs when people are like playing with the slime. It pops and like doing. Mm-hmm. The... I love those. Give me one of those any day. It doesn't do much for me. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in touch with my inner child. I think if I was able to do it myself, I would probably enjoy it. Probably. But the sound of it doesn't do much for me. But what if it's accompanied by video? Mm-mm. I need maybe to touch I, it. Oh, maybe I'm just a big toddler. Or maybe I'm just too physical. <laughs> Either way, I'm Kristen. I'm Jennifer and I'm physical. <laughs> I'm visual. So both of these things don't help with a podcast. <laughs> no, you have to listen to us. I hope that you are a listener. Yes. <laughs> Not a toucher. Audible. Like the book? What? No, like they're audible. Like oh, like I'm audible visual. learners. Yes. Yeah. I see. Anyway. I am not audible. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to learn them today? Y'all, I hope you're ready. Because we're we're talking about those vampires today. Not the ones with the glittery skin. The skin of a killer. We're not talking about the Collins. We're talking about other vampires. No. Their skin in this these stories do not look great. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a really... I, not sh- it, it's, it gets uh, a little gross. Yeah, it does. And I don't think... I guess, like, we're kind of ending our little theme here. If you guys didn't guess the theme, we're kind of, like, going through, like, cryptid, like, creature sort of, like, iconic... Like legends Hauntings. lore. Yeah. Kind of thing. Not necessarily like the traditional haunted house mm-hmm. sort of thing. We just thought that spooky things would be a good way to lean into the spooky season coming up. Yeah. Kind of start off our autumn equinox, which happy autumn equinox for everyone today. Uh, well, it was actually on Thursday. Was it yesterday? Yes, it was yeah. Thursday. Um, but you can still celebrate. I think Maybon is what the the Wiccan pagan holiday that stretches out into next week. I think I am not Wiccan or pagan, so please don't come for me if that's wrong. If it's just one day, but I thought I was under the impression it was a festival of a few days. So that's what they talk about in Practical Magic, anyway. All of their things last at least three days, and they're naked most of the time. I mean. That sounds like a holiday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 
not about witches this time. We're in New England for vampires. The vampire panic of the New, New England, England area. Yeah. It's a real thing, guys. It really happened. They thought that there were vampires in the United States. Yes. Which is not just weird. In Washington. Not in Forks. Not in Forks. This is no vampire diaries on the other side either. N- no. I didn't, no. Really watch, I didn't watch the that show or read those books so i'm sorry that's lost on me you didn't you didn't miss much good good you know what people have tried to trick me into to watching that show but you're not gonna get me especially after reading all about this so (laughs) this has nothing to do with that to be fair (laughs) aren't they like in like the same area new new england i don't know this is how little i know about this but those totally brothers did not occur from this this disease. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to go through a little a few little legends, I think. I don't have like much in the way of like there's no paranormal happenings here. Um really kind of and I'll I'll get into that. Oh. <laughs> so, I'm just going to kind of jump in. Uh so and I have some dates on some things but i'm just gonna say around the late 1700s okay villagers began to believe that there was a sickness going around and villagers started to believe that the people that were first to die were vampires how they came to this conclusion i don't know but the legends went at night though (laughs) this is a quote from a source that i had that at night, those sharp-toothed bloodsuckers would wriggle out of their graves, stalk their own families, and slowly but surely suck the life out of them until they too died a horrendous, horrendous death. Was that an of-the-time source, or was that the great-great-great-grandchild of the source? <laughs> it was a very enthusiastic reporter of the of the. Uh, myth and history of the new England. Uh, okay all right that that makes sense then yes um they said the villagers were terrified understandably and the only way to halt the vampire attacks was to dig up the bodies first you had to examine the bodies if the corpse appeared to be less decayed they'd slice the bodies open and if the organs contained blood still, I guess, the person was deemed a vampire, which I don't understand. They're still dead. I don't... <laughs> it was, I guess, you know, it's just they come out and then they can still appear dead. But then if somebody was, if I was a vampire, listen, if I was a vampire and my loved ones dug me up and I'm like, oh my God, I got to play dead. Hold on. And then they started cutting me open. I would spring to life. I'd be like, hey, stop. What are you doing? I'm going to be able to shed light on this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. The legend, the theory, I guess, was they were just, they were possessed by something that was like between living and dead. Mm. And what they did was burn infected organs and then sometimes rearrange their bones. Before they reburied them. 
you know what's really gonna fuck aunt susan up i'm just gonna put her thigh bone next to her head right listen you know what we're gonna burn their organs and we're gonna like just just rearrange them into like a nice shape a heart put put the bones in a box and just give it a good shake yeah and then just roll them out like dice see where they land and then just cover them back up i think i've seen that in american horror story once or twice no no that's why I'm donating my body to science. <laughs> Scientists are just like rattling my bones around anyway. I can't see it. <laughs> They're going to listen to this episode. Oh, well, she asked for it. Listen, it was in your contract. Um, Do not shake bones. I'm guessing. So like the vampires were always corpses, according to the article I read. Like they... No, nobody ever saw like a loved one skulking around the shadows with sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. It was always they had to dig them up. So, again, I'm not really sure where the vampire sort of thing got why it got its name. Like I understand that like a lot of them. So a lot of them in the the known cases of vampires that I'm about to read you. Mm-hmm. Uh. I know that a lot of them died of like consumption and other diseases of the lung, but I just don't understand why that makes them. <laughs> so maybe you can explain that to me a little bit. I, later. Can. I can. Oh, perfect. Um, my first one is Rachel Harris of Manchester, Vermont. She was one of the earliest cases of the New England vampirism. Uh, to have a name attached. Uh, she died in 1790, apparently. And after her death, her widower married her stepsister. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> and that stepsister was named Hulda, apparently. And she began exhibiting symptoms similar to Rachel's not long after her mm-hmm. husband married her. Uh, and they reasoned that Rachel was the reason why. <laughs> Rachel was a vampire. She was pissed that her stepsister married her widower husband. And so she came back and infected Hulda is the theory. Mm-hmm. And so they did what any logical, rational village would do. 500 residents went out into the winter night to watch the liver and heart and lungs be removed from Rachel's body and burned. According to some versions of the tale, portions of the organs were then preserved to make medicine for Hulda. How soon after did Hulda die? Uh, This was in February. She died in September. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was just a guess. So after her death, people were like, oh, was was Rachel really a vampire then if she died and the medicine didn't work? Uh, you know, you would think maybe they, they would re- rethink everything. No, they all they just uh, turned on their theory that she was a vampire and went back to the old Holy Grail that she was a witch. Oh, that's so, a good turn. Yeah. So they're like, no, you know what? I don't think she's a vampire, but it's a good thing that we burned her organs anyway, because I'm pretty sure she was a witch and she came back and killed Hulda anyway. So Mm. the next one is 
Abigail Staples of Cumberland, Rhode Island. Okay. And she was 23 and had supposedly died of consumption. Her father didn't believe this because shortly after Abigail's death, her sister Lavinia started having symptoms. And Lavinia told her father that she was having dreams in which a shadowy figure sat heavily on her chest and drew out her breath. During one of those dreams, she reportedly called out Abigail's name. Mm. And this means that Abigail was a vampire. Of course. Yes. And that the town officials consented that Mr. Staples could try an experiment to save Lavinia's life. And so they gave him approval to exhume his other daughter's body, I guess, to do some sort of experiment. I don't know what that experiment was. I'm assuming, like, Hulda burn the organs and then smear them all over her or something to try to, get, like, cure her of her, her own vampirism. Uh, but there apparently is no record of what came of the ex- the exhumation or his other daughter. Mm. I wasn't able to find anything as far as like if she died or if she's real. Um, so there's that. Next, we have the Spalding family. There's a lot of vampires to get through, so <laughs> they're all con- they're all up there. I'm just waiting for the Collins. No, we have the Spaldings, though. They have a weird connection with... Uh, he, they're from Dermiston, Vermont. And they have a weird connection to Henry David Thoreau. Okay. Because we're jumping a little bit ahead to, like, the 1850s. Mm-hmm. And the Spaulding family's ordeal is said to have inspired him to write a quote that goes the savage in man is never quite eradicated i've just read of a family in vermont who several of its members have died of consumption just burned the lungs and heart and liver of the last deceased in order to prevent any more from having it um and i guess at that time thoreau was also battling with tuberculosis himself and so i guess he was trying to like look at cases and what people did to help weirdly enough nobody suspected him of being a vampire (laughs) i don't understand that but the oh okay perfect uh 1790s though is when the spalding family actually had this ordeal they lost six of their seven their 11 children oh how awful yeah and Apparently, their father was really desperate. Uh, When another daughter started to get ill, he ordered the body of the most recently deceased child to be dug up, and they removed the organs that burned them. And then, incidentally, one vampire-adjacent belief was that vines would grow between the buried caskets, and that once all the burials in a plot had been connected, another family member would die. How interesting. So to prevent this, the Spaldings uh, buried their son, Reuben, apparently, who was the last one to die. They buried his grave apart from the others of the family to break the chain. And nobody died after that? I did not have any, like, I don't know if his daughter recovered or <laughs> if she ended up dying after Reuben. But that was just like 
one of the things they try to do to prevent any of their other children from dying, which is. Why wouldn't you just pull up the vines? Right. Really? Yeah, I know. Cut them up. Burn. Burn them. Burn the burn vines. Burn the vines. Well, just cremate the bodies. If you're just going to burn their organs. Maybe they didn't believe in that. I'm not sure. But they're already vampires. So are they really getting into heaven? I don't. <laughs> you have so many questions. I have so many questions. But that's going to have to wait because I also have Sarah Tilgast of Exeter, Rhode Island. What a name. She was the first of Snuffy Tilgast's 14 children to die. And I know that you're thinking Snuffy is a weird name for a woman. It was her dad. <laughs> I thought you were going to say dog. It would have made so much more sense. Nope. It was her dad. And uh, she became a vampire, apparently, because his surviving children claimed that Sarah continued to visit them at night. And at first, he thought it was just part of the grieving process. Mm -hmm. But then five more of his children died. Holy crap. And another started to become very ill. So... When the bodies were exhumed to burn their organs, this one does, for vampires, all except Sarah were found in advanced stages of decomposition. She had been the first to die, but she was less decomposed than her siblings who had died after her, apparently. Her heart was removed and burned in front of the family home, as story goes. Describing the episode decades later in 1888, writer Sidney Ryder observed that peace then came to this afflicted family, but not, however, until a seventh victim had been demanded. So the child, the child that was gravely ill did end up dying. Mm. But then I guess nobody else died. Gotcha. Uh, then we have Nancy Young who died at age 19 in Foster, Rhode Island. Her sister commenced a rapid decline in health with sure indications that she must soon follow. When Nancy's other siblings began to decline, her father, which a lot of the fathers are just like, dig up the bodies. <laughs> and I just feel for these poor mothers who are like, don't dig up my children, just let them rest. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you have to think of the actual, like, it's one thing to talk about it happening, but if you actually sit down and think, like, if we did this today, if I went to you and said, Kristen, this is the fourth family member of yours that is sick, we have to go dig up your aunt so-and-so. Because she's a vampire. Because I think that she's a vampire. Like, but then go into that process of actually exhuming a body what that body state of the body would be in not in modern day times when there was embalming yeah and then you're talking about doing this with children so that's yeah. like a whole other added layer of horror it's just insane well yeah and also it's like some of them made medicine i just cannot imagine like we burned your sister's heart and lungs here oh i'll, I'll get into that too i'm so excited to tell you all about this <laughs> Um, well, in this case of Nancy Young and her family members, uh, they did exhume and burn her remains. This did apparently did not work and five more children died. Mm. Uh, and then 
I have two more, the Ray family and JB in Jewel City, Connecticut. This was the death of 24-year-old Lumel Ray. His death was followed by that of his father a few years later and then his brother, apparently. And then three years after that, Lem's oldest brother, Henry, fell ill and the family was like, that's it. It started. Where's with, the vampire? Where's the vampire? Let's go digging and burning. And then Henry, of course, died. Interestingly, apparently, the rays were kind of the catalyst of like Connecticut finding a bunch of vampires mm. in the nineties. Like, just a few miles, apparently, from the Ray farm, some kids discovered a skull, and after further investigation, there was a graveyard of 29 bodies that had been buried, and, like, their heads had been removed. Apparently, like, their bones had been rearranged, like we mentioned before, and then, like, one there was only one marking on a grave that was jb i don't know if they're related to the rays in any way or if this was like just part of you know there was another family or a few other people in their town i'm not really sure but the rays were very close to where where this supposed mass grave was found Mm -hmm. so there's that and my very last one is Mercy Brown of Exeter, Rhode Island, who is apparently the best documented case of a woman suspected of being a vampire in New England. She, okay, so in 1883, apparently her mother died of consumption, okay? Seven months later, her 20-year-old sister apparently died and then a couple years after that, both Mercy and her brother grew ill. Her brother was sent away somewhere to recover, but Mercy died. Mercy's father was by then desperate to save his remaining children. And though he was not said to believe in vampires, said that you could you could dig up his family's bodies. Said, I don't know if I believe in vampires, but just in case. And apparently... A journal reported in 1892, the medical examiner of the district who examined the bodies also didn't believe in vampires, apparently, Mm -hmm. but found one of the bodies had proof because when he exhumed Mercy's body and removed her heart and her liver, apparently they dripped blood, like fresh blood. Therefore, she was a vampire. They put vampire on her coroner's report. This is a medical professional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, well, fuck. It's dripping blood. She is a vampire. Do you know what we have to do? Get this woman a Band-Aid. <laughs> Get no. her a gauze. <laughs> um, tell her to tilt up. Um don't do that because you'll choke on your own blood and then you'll really be a vampire. Um, Unless it's your liver, then you can tilt whatever way you want because you're screwed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, no, they um, burned the heart and liver and all their bloody gory. Um, but yeah, that was her story. 
and she I guess she's the well-documented case because a doctor recorded his findings of her exhumation and autopsy. Did they say if it helped? No, they did not say if it helped. Although it just is peculiar to me. I wonder, I don't, I didn't get this information. I wonder at what time she died and how long after was her body exhumed? Because she was the last kid to die supposedly so i like if she had only been in the ground for a little while i don't know we didn't drain the blood out by then so <laughs> she could still have like it just doesn't make sense to me it just doesn't it doesn't none of this makes sense to me what it's like they took vampires and zombies and made them one thing you know mm-hmm and they're not one thing. They're two separate things. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand what what these people must have been going through a lot. Because... Well, everybody's dying of tuberculosis, Kristen. It is the time of your life. Everyone has a disease you always talk about. I know. Honestly, I didn't know that it was going to spark this much. Does this mean that John Keats... The literary love of my life was a vampire no oh okay well you'll, you'll tell have me to out. dig up his body and see if how fresh his flesh looks <laughs> i just go where he's buried how spongy is his skin <laughs> i have a shovel Ew. out of my way <laughs> it's like one of the worst sentences i've ever said in my life <laughs> don't say it again <laughs> um, can we tell all... you all about this yes because that's all i have Honestly, I have a very specific little rundown of the suspected vampires. Uh, you can tell me what worked and what didn't work and why they thought this crazy thing. In my mind, crazy. Maybe that they're maybe they were onto something. I'm not sure. I will tell you all about it when we're back from our break. Okay. Okay. Be right back. Hey guys! And welcome to Spilling the Crime, a true crime podcast hosted by... Me, Umberto Melo. And me, Jonas Grancha. Join us in this big adventure where we will be talking about crimes with a tipsy twist. How this crime happens, I want to know what the fuck is the unwrapped chocolate. Her name is Sharma Melgenlings. Magma... Magmar? Meningitis? <laughs> Where's the dick, Lorena? Where is the dick? Oh, what is this? Are those your enemies? <laughs> are they after me too? <laughs> Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and then he masturbated on the carpet. <laughs> Dangerous. I mean, yeah, no, was, yeah, yeah. Why? We did not agree with this. <laughs> Carlos said that. Don't copy. What? Don't copyright us. Don't copyright us. Yes, please don't block us. So grab your glass, cause this spilling is about to begin. We're back. We are back. Can't wait to learn all things about vampires. Or whatever they are, actually. I can tell you about their thoughts behind vampires. Okay, great. Just explain to me why why they thought that. I'll get there. Okay. So, 
we're just going to start out weird. This is going to start out with legit old medical beliefs that you kind of went into, but they're kind of fun. So what have we decided makes a vampire? Bloody organs when you exhume them and not being decomposed and... I mean, you're not wrong. That's it. (laughs) Tuberculosis. Oh. Consumption. Turns you into a vampire. Is an affliction caused by a vampire. Oh, gotcha. Because you're being consumed. Mm, The life is being drained out of you. Gotcha. The fact that this was a bacterial disease wasn't known until the late 19th century. So we're still years away from that. Thanks, Robert Koch. Koch. Due mainly to the contagious nature of this disease, once one family member had it, the chance of another family member contracting it were pretty high. Right. I had to look up the actual contagious rate of tuberculosis because I wasn't sure how contagious this was. Would you think that tuberculosis was more or less contagious than COVID? Uh, more. I did too, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Wow. COVID has an RO rate. Don't ask me what that is, but the CDC will tell you if you want to look it up. Of 2.2 to 2.5. Okay. So for every one person, they will infect on average two to two and a half people. Gotcha. Tuberculosis ranges from 1.1 to 2.4. Okay. So they're close. Yeah. Tuberculosis also is not, it doesn't have as many outlets for contagion as COVID. Right. Again, if you want to look into the disease, I highly recommend this podcast will kill you on tuberculosis. They will tell you all about it and they're great. But this is mainly contracted by air. It's airborne. Mm -hmm. So the longer you're in a room with someone who has it, the more likely you are to contract the disease. Right. So that's why these families all came down with it was because they were in small quarters. A lot of the kids slept in the same bed. Mm-hmm. in the same room and so that's why it would wipe out these families was because they were in such close quarters for such an extended period of time but back then contagion was not a word or a movie so <laughs> they believe that the dead individual was actually draining the life from other family members so let me take you back a little bit because okay. we're thinking of vampire as Dracula. I thought right. to suck your blood. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Never doing that again. Do it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> but vampires came from European countries. Um, there's actually, if you want to look up the vampire Wikipedia, it tells you so much and I'm not going to read it for you. Okay. But. There's different versions of vampires throughout the different parts of the world. Okay. The vampire that we got our information or our information, our real main legend from is from like European-ish areas. But like there's some obviously in Romania, um, Greece, there's some in China, and they're all a little different. Um, in most cases, vampires are revenants of evil beings, suicide victims, or witches. But they can also be created by a malevolent spirit possessing a corpse. 
Okay. That was uh, not the reaction I told I you to say. <laughs> Sorry. So, Sorry. Oh. So I'm so, so Aunt Fanny died. Okay. But her body is possessed by something that is sucking the life out of little Jimmy. Okay. And her body is just a vessel at that point. Got you. Got you. So this is like another word for a demon, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to confuse you again in a second. Anyway, but if y'all want to read about vampires, highly recommend this Wikipedia because it is long. Um, There is a really cool thing of an 800-year-old skeleton found in Bulgaria stabbed through the chest with an iron rod. You can (gasps) see the skeleton. Here, let me just... Let me just send this to you. Because it's kind of crazy. Um, There's also instances of the Romani people driving mm-hmm. steel or iron needles into a corpse's heart at the time of burial. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like varies. It goes all, it's all over the world. People scared of the dead. I mean, rightly so. So, Aunt Fanny died of tuberculosis consumption. She died a horrible death. Mm-hmm. Little Jimmy is also dying. What do you do? Say your prayers. Step one. <laughs> you got to dig up Aunt Fanny. Right. How does she look? Kind of fresh? Not quite as decayed as you expected? So, if she looks a little too fresh, like you said... Or if you want to take it one step further and check the organs or heart or whatever, or blood, you can. If there's still blood in them, then it is a vampire. Yes. So you have a couple of options after you find out that it is, in fact, a vampire. Okay. Option one, simply flip the body over. Because everyone knows that vampires are like turtles, and once they flip over, they are doomed. (laughs) They can't simply just push up on their hands and get up. (laughs) Option two is to burn the clearly living organ. I'm sorry. To burn the clearly living organs and rebury the body. Okay. Maybe even decapitate Aunt Fanny. Just to just to be sure. Just to be sure she can't come out with her razor to sharp teeth and s- suck on little Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's not bad. Oh my. <laughs> Option three. You know those organs that you burned? Mm-hmm. Those organs that are quite certainly infected with tuberculosis. Right. It would probably be best to breathe those in no. to your already tuberculosis-infected lungs because uh, that will most certainly help you cure that illness. Absolutely not. Aunt Fanny, thank you so much for your time here on this earth. I am sorry. I'm going to completely decimate your body and also hail you. I'm going to huff your spleen. <laughs> Oh, two negatives do not make a positive in this scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, That's awful. So I got all that from the Wikipedia page for 
the vampire panic. Okay. My next source is the Smithsonian. Oh, love that place. Let's talk about the Jewett City vampires. Okay. We are in Jewett City, Connecticut. You mentioned the story. A couple of children were playing near a hillside gravel mine. Mm-hmm. And they stumbled upon the first graves. One ran home to tell his mother, who was skeptical at first, until he pulled out a what? Tooth. Mm, close. A skull. <laughs> I know. He brought the whole thing. Why? Why? Leave them in the ground. Leave the bones where they are. Go tell your mother. Drag her to the bones so she can call the authorities. Do not just pick up a skull and just put it up underneath your arm like a football and just toddle on home. Because that's how teeth fall into your porch and curse your house. Right. And that's how the vampires are welcomed into your home. You're you're welcoming them into your home. They have to be invited in and you are doing that. Yeah. By putting their tooth into that, you know. <laughs> Leave those canines in the ground. Because this was Griswold, Connecticut in 1990, the police initially thought the burials might have been the work of a local serial killer named Michael Ross. Hmm. And they taped off the area as a crime scene. Did not know that. Me neither. But the this guy was such an embellisher. So be ready. Okay. But the brown decaying bones turned out to be more than a century old. The, the Connecticut State archaeologist Nick Bellatoni soon determined that the hillside contained a colonial-era farm cemetery. Okay. It's not a mass grave. New England is full of such unmarked family plots, and the 29 burials were typical of the 1700s and early 1800s, so the number was right. Okay. The dead, many of them children, were laid to rest in thrifty Yankee-style simple wood coffins without okay. jewelry or even much clothing so very simple burials their arms resting by their sides or crossed over their chests except for burial number four bellatoni was interested in the grave even before the excavation began because it was one of only two stone crypts in the cemetery and it was partially visible from the mine face mm. when bellatoni lifted the first of the large flat rocks that form the roof, he uncovered the remains of a red-painted coffin and a pair of skeletal feet. They lay, he remembers, in perfect anatomical position, but when he raised the next stone, Bellatoni saw that the rest of the individual had been completely rearranged. <laughs> the skeleton had been beheaded, skull and thigh bones rested atop the ribs and vertebrae. It looked like a skull and crossbones motif, a Jolly Roger. Wow. But it was J.B., not J.R. Right. That was stupid. He <laughs> said, I've that. never seen anything like it. <laughs> it was a flying Dutchman. No. Davy Jones. <laughs> Just keeps coming back. It's full circle. <laughs> Subsequent analysis showed that the beheading, along with other injuries, including rib fractures, probably from the jostling of the bones in the box, mm -hmm. occurred roughly five years after death. Someone had also smashed the coffin. I mean. In 1854, the neighboring Jewett City, Connecticut townspeople had exhumed several corpses suspected to be vampires that were rising from their graves to kill the living. Right. 
A few newspaper accounts of these events survived. Had the Griswold grave been desecrated for the same reason? I mean, probably. Especially, I, I feel like once they were exhuming bodies, they weren't like particularly careful with the coffins they were in. Just kind of prying them open. and. No, I think the respect for the body had kind of been buried Just... at that point. <laughs> exactly. So they then spoke to Middletown Historical Society President Michael Bell. And they also did some top-tier editorial descriptions of his sleeked-back silver bob and his strong Roman nose. Which is not a sneaky way of telling someone that they have a large nose, by the way. (laughs) Just so you know. Just saying. Michael Bell has documented about... About 80 exhumations, reaching as far back as the late 1700s and as far west as Minnesota. Wow. Even though most of them are concentrated in the backwoods of New England in the 1800s, startlingly later than the obvious local analog, the Salem, Massachusetts witch hunts of the 1690s. So witches first, then vampires. vampires. And honestly... New England, you seem a little bit uh, superstitious. I'm not. I'm just gonna say. I'm just. You, you seem a little bit naive and gullible about these sorts of things. You know, I will say. I'm only a little bit stitious. I'm not stitious enough to believe in these vampires, but maybe in the 1700s. No, I would not dig up a relative to make sure that there's not sucking the life out of one of my family members. Even just put them down, just like flip them over real quick, just to be sure. Some of them might be doing that when they're alive, but not while they're dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. Um, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look a little a little faded today? <laughs> so scholars today still struggle to explain the vampire panics. A key detail unites them. The public hysteria almost invariably occurred in the midst of very bad tuberculosis outbreaks. Right. So again, what makes a vampire? Tuberculosis. tuberculosis. Indeed, the medical museum's test ultimately revealed that JB, not JR, had suffered from tuberculosis or a lung disease very similar to it. Typically, a rural family contracted the illness And even if they received the standard medical diagnosis, the survivors blamed early victims as vampires responsible for preying upon family members who subsequently fell sick. Often, the exhumation was called for to stop the vampires' predations, these words. (laughs) So then he goes in to talk about the exhumations. Okay. They vary widely. In many cases... Only family and neighbors participated, but sometimes town fathers voted on the matter, or medical doctors and clergymen gave their blessings or even pitched in. Thank you, Father. How helpful. Some communities in Maine and Plymouth, Massachusetts, simply opted to flip the exhumed vampire face down in the grave and leave it at that. I feel like that's a little bit more dignified. You know what? We're just going to... It just makes them sleepy. That's just... That makes them go to sleep. Everyone's more comfortable sleeping on their stomach anyway. Right. 
Right. It's just like when like when you have those baby dolls and you tilt them back and their eyes closed and when they're kind of sitting upright, they have their eyes open. It's the same concept. Or if you get them really weird and one eye doesn't quite close all the way, so they're just looking at you. That's when they're on their side. <laughs> Don't turn them on their side. That makes them a zombie. <laughs> exactly. In Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Vermont, though, they frequently burn the dead person's heart, sometimes inhaling the smoke as a cure. No, stop doing that. Why do they do that? In Europe, too. I'm sorry, what were we going to say? I mean, it's better than my theory that they smeared it on them somehow or took it as like some sort of soup or something. So no, why are you looking straight okay. into the lungs? You had a look on your face that I thought you were going to go on and say that they did that. No, I am going to tell you what they did in Europe, though. Okay. It did vary depending on where you were, but some beheaded uh, suspected vampires while others bound their feet with thorns. Yikes. Often these events, these exhumations were kind of low key, lantern lit, very Hollywood-esque affairs. Mm -hmm. But particularly in Vermont, it could be quite the event like an execution uh like a festival okay one vampire heart was reportedly torched on the woodstock vermont uh town green in 1830 Hmm. you know what let's go have a barbecue i'm sorry that was inappropriate in (laughs) manchester hundreds of people flocked to a 1793 heart burning ceremony at a blacksmith's forge quote Timothy Mead officiated at the altar in the sacrifice to the demon vampire who it was believed to still be sucking the blood of the then living wife of Captain Burton. That was an early town history quote. Yikes. Quote, it was the month of February and good slaying. <laughs> okay. So then Mr. Bell goes on to talk about Mercy Brown. Mercy, mercy, mercy me. The Brown family lived on the eastern edge of town, probably on like a modest farm, and they began to succumb to the disease in December of 1882. Mercy, who went by Lena, her mother, Mary Eliza, was the first to pass. Then her sister, Mary Olive, I love happy Mm. olives, uh, was a 20-year-old dressmaker, died the next year. So that was 1883. Okay. An obituary from the local newspaper says the last few hours she lived was of great suffering, yet mm. her faith was firm and she was ready for the change. So it was not it was not a good time. No. So within a few years after that, Lena's brother Edwin, who was a store clerk and who a newspaper columnist described as a big husband husky young man uh got sick. He was thick boned <laughs> he fell sick too and left for colorado springs hoping that the climate would improve his health which as we learned in our other episode on mm, waverly was that waverly i think you're right sanitarium so. yeah I think yeah so. we learned that doesn't work no we did open air was good yeah, but like I mean, like it doesn't. Oh, it's not going to cure you, right? But help. Yeah, yeah, it's going to make you feel a little better. Lena, who was just a child 
when her mother and sister died, didn't fall ill until nearly a decade after they were buried. Mm. He says that her tuberculosis was the galloping kind, which meant that she might have been (laughs) infected, but remained asymptomatic for years. Oh, okay. Um... A doctor attended her in her last illness, the newspaper said, and informed her father that further medical aid was useless. Mm, that's her, so hard. Yeah. Her January ni- 1892 obituary was much terser than her sister's. Miss Lena Brown, who has been suffering from conception, died Sunday morning. I just feel like maybe like after a while, you're just so tired of like having to put out obituaries for your family members but to your question earlier she died 10 years after her mother and sister oh okay her brother did come back into town to her to her deathbed but he was still obviously sick right several neighbors decided to go and talk to mr george brown lena's father Mm -hmm. and offered an alternative to take on the problem that he was having Right. Perhaps an unseen diabolical force was preying on his family. Could Maybe it be a that? Yeah. Could it be that one of the three brown women weren't dead after all? Instead, secretly feasting on the living tissue and blood of Edwin, as the Providence Journal later summarized. Wow. If the offending corpse, the journal uses the term vampire in some stories, but the locals seem not to, was discovered and destroyed, then Edwin would recover. Hallelujah. The neighbors asked to exhume the bodies in order to check for fresh blood in their hearts. Okay. George Brown reluctantly gave permission. On the morning of March 17th, 1892, so this is two months after she died, a party of men dug up the bodies as the family doctor and a journal correspondent looked on. George was absent for obvious reasons. Yeah, for good reason. After nearly a decade, Lena's sister and mother were barely more than bones. Not surprisingly. Not vampires. Lena, though, had been dead only a few months, and it was wintertime. The ground is cold. It, we are in north. We are in north. We are north. Quote, the body was in a fairly well-preserved state, the correspondent correspondent wrote. The heart and liver were removed, and in cutting open the heart, clotted and decomposed blood was found. Yeah, because it's only been a few months. (laughs) During this impromptu autopsy, the doctor again emphasized that Lena's lungs, quote, showed diffuse tuberculosis germs. They just breathe them all in. Undeterred, the villagers burned her heart and liver on a nearby rock, feeding Edwin the ashes. No! No! Stop it! Stop it! You ready? No. He died less than two months later. God, I wonder why. Do you think that they told him what he was eating, or did were they like, here, try this hot dog? I hope they just put in soup or something and just gave it to him like that. <laughs> Sorry, we burned the bottom of the pot. It's like a smoothie or something awful but lena brown's exhumation made news first a reporter from the providence journal witnessed her unearthing okay then 
a well-known anthropologist named George Stetson traveled to Rhode Island to probe, quote, the barbaric superstition in the surrounding area. Finally, someone gets it. Published in the American Anthropologist Journal, Stetson's account of New England's vampires made waves throughout the world. One 1896 New York New York world clipping even found its way into the hands of a London stage manager and an aspiring novelist named Brom Stoker. Wow. Whose theater company was touring the United States that same year. His gothic masterpiece, Dracula, was published in 1897, but there's some wow. speculation onto the connection. That's very interesting. I also have a newspaper clipping because, you know, can I have an episode without one? No. This is from the Norwich Courier. It is from May 24th, 1854. It is titled Strange Superstition Burning the Dead. Wow. A strange and almost incredible tale of superstition has been related to us of a scene recently enacted at Jewett City. It seems that about eight years ago, a citizen of Griswold named Horace Ray died of consumption. Since that time, two of his children, both of them sons, we believe in a grown man's estate, have sickened and died of the same disease, the last one dying some two years since. Not long ago, the same fatal disease seized upon another son, whereupon it was determined to exhume the bodies of the two brothers already dead and, in italics, burn them. And for what reason? And for what reason? It does. And for what reason do our readers imagine? Italics. Because the dead were supposed to feed upon the living. And that so long as the dead body in the grave remained in the state of decomposition, either wholly or in part, their surviving members of the family must continue to furnish the sustenance on which the dead body fed. So it is like a a vampire zombie. Yeah. Acting under the influence of this strange and to us unheard of superstition, the family and friends of the deceased, accompanied by various others, proceeded to the burial ground of, at Jewett City on the 8th and dug up the bodies of the deceased brothers and burned them on the spot. Wow. The scene described to us must have been revolting in the extreme, and the idea that it could have grown out of a belief such as we have referred to task human credulity? We'll go with it. Credulity. We seem to be transported back to the darkest age of unreasoning ignorance unreasoning ignorance and blind superstition instead of living in the middle of the 19th century in an estate calling itself enlightened and christian i wrote this article (laughs) italics and all oh this is from hartford connecticut they have a little bit more sense that's all i have for you that is wild um the smithsonian article went way on so if y'all want to read it i highly recommend it because believe it or not that was paraphrased (laughs) I also a lot of information, but it's a lot of good information and disgusting and awful. And <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. It was great. Vampires are more than Buffy kicking a stake through the heart. I know. I bet Buffy never huffed any vampire lungs. God, I hope not. She had to cheerlead later. Imagine the effect that would have on your stamina. Exactly. I think I take I will take literary vampires over this any day. Over literal vampires? over vampire zombie demons this really blows my mind that this actually happened like these yeah. were these are real people thinking this is real like real my bodies coming up and saying hey we need to dig up your dead relative 
Yeah. And burn them after we cut them open and look at their organs. And also let me burn the organs and then feed them to your son. Just let me do it, please. The only way they got, like, they got away with this is because the mothers had already passed. Exactly. Exactly. Well. That was fun. That was fun. Now that you're all horrified and nauseous. (laughs) Uh, I hope you enjoy this little prelude into Halloween season. Yeah. Maybe. You have a new idea on being a vampire for Halloween. Yeah. Instead of showing up with, you know, bloody fangs, just showed up a little crispy. Yeah. And just look down the whole time. <laughs> that night, sleep on your stomach. Exactly. Well, good job. Where are we... Yeah. Thank you. you good job. Thanks. <laughs> Where are we going next week? Are we, we, are, we are going somewhere physically. We're going to be physically going somewhere. And we'll be together and we'll be face to face and it'll be a lot of fun. And that's all you get. It will be an excellent time. For sure. What is your sage moment? I'm going with a theme. Okay. Do you know why Dracula had to take cold medicine? No. Why? Because he didn't have any relatives that let side on fire. No. (laughs) Because he was coughing too much. (laughs) Both of the punchlines work. (laughs) i have another one do you want another one yes i want another one why did dracula decide to turn over a new leaf he didn't his relatives did i don't know i don't know because he was already on his back (laughs) (laughs) because he wanted to be revamped wow okay that's all i have (laughs) love them (laughs) um my sage moment did i talk about barbarian last time mm-hmm. okay well you did not sage talk mo- about the other one sage moment movie moment <laughs> i saw <laughs> pearl uh which is the prequel to the horror movie x that came out earlier in the summer um i have not seen that movie but i did go and see pearl was fantastic very disturbing um if you want to talk about you know just awful awful things to do to bodies just it's it's a really great movie. Mia Goth gives the performance of her lifetime. She deserves an Oscar for a monologue that she gives in that movie. She's not going to get it because it's a horror movie, but I highly recommend it. Very, very good. Would you put it above or below Barbarian? Um, I enjoyed Barbarian more. Mm. So, but both were great. A lot of good movies coming out right now, so. Go to the theater once in a while. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Just like that. Just like that. We'll see you next time. We will. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.